Still using SSH keys, RDP logins, and database credentials? It's time to access your infrastructure like it's no longer 1999. StrongDM is the only modern infrastructure access platform. It creates a seamless, secure, and observable air gap between your staff and the critical infrastructure that powers your company. Instantly revoke access to every database, Kubernetes cluster, or server with a click. Automatically log every query, SSH, and cube control command to know who did what, when, and where across your stack. Illuminate credentials from end-user workflows to deploy access that's zero trust and least privilege by default. Trusted by your peers at Peloton, SoFi, Yext, and Chime. StrongDM is the only way to deploy secure access controls in a way folks love to use. But who believes an ad? Check it out for yourself with a no BS demo. Sign up at www.strongdm.com slash get dash a dash demo. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from Massive Cloudcast Studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody is doing well. It is uh, the beginning of April, April 2022. Uh, big happy birthday to my daughter. She turned 16 today, so I'm uh, reaching another milestone as a, as a dad and a parent uh, out on the road all by herself. That'll be an interesting set of uh, uh, stress to add to life, but uh, a good part of life. Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, things are things are going well. I'm, I'm not going to complain about... Uh, pollen or, or scratchy throats or any of those sort of things. I, I got a, a little bit of feedback from somebody who told me to just suck it up and, and live with it. And, you know, you're right. Uh, we just need to kind of move on. And uh, let's get on to today's show. You know, I always try and find a couple of, of interesting conversations from the week to sort of draw some lines through and, uh, and create uh, the Sunday Perspective show. And I had three sort of interesting conversations this week. Um, one of them was one that I was listening to. Uh, I was listening to the folks over at uh, Software Defined Talk. And they were kind of getting into a discussion about Excel and, you know, what is Excel and what all can you do with Excel? And, you know, is it a, is it a spreadsheet? Is it a database? Is it an analytics tool? Is it, you know, what are all the different things that it can do? And so that was one. And it was, that was sort of floating around in my head. And the second one uh, was a conversation I had with a, an outside group that was trying to, you know, wrap their heads around, you know, how to measure and, and sort of look at what is, what is the DevOps marketplace look like? And, Anyways, the reason that was sort of interesting was, um, you know, they were they were trying to map out, you know, what does what does DevOps look like in terms of technologies and companies and ways delivered and so forth. And as we dug into it, it it, it turned out, you know, about ten minutes into it, they went, oh, so what you're saying is there's like lots and lots of permutations, twenty something permutations of what could become DevOps. And it was sort of like, yeah, that that's very possible, like depending on how you want to put things into buckets. And then the third thing was. Uh, a conversation I had with a, a good friend and mentor, somebody we've known for a long time, really, really smart guy. And we were talking about kind of the, the interesting thing that goes on in our, in our markets these days, in our world these days, is that, you know, we no longer have swim lanes. We no longer have sort of distinct paths of this technology solves this problem and it's owned by this group and it's, it's serviced by this, you know, type of individual with these skills. Everything is sort of a, a mashing up of two words. And Obviously, that's something we've talked about quite a bit. Uh, so, what I thought I would do on today's show is sort of, you know, kind of weave some, weave some threads through those three things. I think, um, you know, it, it 
it sort of explains some interesting things that are going on in our market today. Uh, and I'll sort of, you know, couch it into this idea of, you know, it feels a little bit sometimes when we talk about DevOps, uh, that DevOps is a lot like Microsoft Excel. And I'll, I'll try and explain that right after the break. Today's sponsor is Datadog, a real-time monitoring platform that unifies metrics, logs, and distributed traces from your cloud containers and orchestration software. Datadog's container-centric monitoring features allow you to track the health and performance of your dynamic container environment. The container map provides a bird's-eye view of your container fleet, and the live container view searches, groups, and filters your containers with any criteria, like tags, pods, or workspaces. To start monitoring your container clusters, sign up for a free trial today, and Datadog will send you a free t-shirt. Visit datadog.com slash container dash cloudcast to get started. That's datadog.com slash container dash cloudcat. Today's show is sponsored by CloudZero. For software-driven companies focused on growing margins, CloudZero is the only cloud cost intelligence platform that puts engineering in control by connecting technical decisions to business results. By analyzing cloud services like AWS and Snowflake, CloudZero provides real-time cost insights that help you maximize margins. Engineering teams can answer critical questions like, who are my most expensive customers? How much does this specific feature cost our business? What's the cost impact of re-architecting this application? With cost anomaly alerts via Slack, product-specific data views, and granular engineering context that makes it easy to investigate any cost, CloudZero is your complete cloud cost intelligence platform, connecting the dots between high-level trends and individual line items. Join companies like Drift, Rabbit7, and SeatGeek by visiting cloudzero.com slash cloudcast to get started today. That's cloudzero.com slash cloudcast. And we're back. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, I want to I want to kind of weave together these three things. You know, what is Excel? Um, you know, what what is DevOps? And then what do we do when uh, there's a problem that's out there and it's not necessarily immediately obvious who should own that problem? And and I think to a certain extent that kind of summarizes a lot of where we are today in the cloud data space, which is. Um, you know, we have problems that aren't necessarily uh, problems that were around five years ago, 10 years ago, something like that. Um, and so you know, figuring out how to solve those problems is, is going to require a different set of things. But yet, you know, the, the people, the process, the tools that we have available to us don't always necessarily evolve exactly how we want them to. And the way that we go about assigning you know, how we're going to solve those problems doesn't always evolve exactly the way we want it to. And so here's kind of how I, I got to thinking about this sort of thing is, you know, I, I took, I, I was, like I said, like I mentioned, I, I had a conversation with a, a, you know, a consulting firm um, and we were talking about, you know, they're trying to, to wrap their heads around how do you, how do you frame up and measure and look at and evaluate and compare the things that are in the DevOps market? And we started talking, and, and they sort of laid out their their thesis of how they wanted to frame things up. And I said, "Well, you know, you're, you're gonna you're gonna touch a lot of different areas. Um, it's not sort of this tool against that tool. It's you know, it really depends on on what you're trying to to evaluate. Because at the end of the day, you're you're kind of evaluating, um, you know, end to end. How quickly can I ship soft? How quickly can I build software, test software, integrate software, deploy software?" do it in a safe manner, and then do it over again and and have feedback loops within there so that I, I can do things better. And, you know, so when they started thinking about that, I, I think it it kind of stretched their their thinking, their way of thinking, their, their framework a little bit in terms of going, 
okay, um, well, there's not one thing that does that. So help me break down what are the things involved with doing that. And we, we sort of broke it into kind of four categories. You know, I had sort of a, uh, you know, what you do to build the application, maybe where you get uh, your source code from and store source code and those sort of things, but more sort of developer building sort of things. The second bucket was, um, you know, things you do to to test and validate uh, and, and, you know, sort of integrate what you're doing. So maybe like CI types of things. The third bucket was sort of CD types of things, right? Like you, you, you sort of have to deploy, um, but mostly you're deploying infrastructure, uh, ahead of deploying your application. You're validating that it's right and so forth. Then you're going to deploy the actual application. And then you've got the sort of, you know, day two types of things you have to do, which might be a fourth category or maybe even a fifth category. And, what was sort of interesting was, so that was the first piece of it that, that sort of laid out. And then we got into this discussion of, okay, um, well, who owns that process? And it was an interesting conversation because, you know, unlike, uh, you know, the, the analogy that we always use with, you know, DevOps or, you know, Deming or any of these sort of things is we like to sort of compare it a lot of times to, to factory floors. And the, the difference there is that, yes, there is a lot of, comparisons you can make to sort of factory floors, let's say you're building a, a, an automobile or something like that, that sort of apply to building software, right? It originates from raw materials. It goes through some transformation process. It gets put together. It gets validated. Uh, and then it, it gets deployed. And, and anywhere along there, you know, you're going to have people involved and you're going to kind of create some safeguards so that you stay within the boundaries. You can measure whether or not you've you've succeeded or not. Uh, and then, you know, hopefully you have some mechanisms that if things fail enough throughout that process, you can stop, you can go evaluate what's going on, and then you can move on. The difference in that is uh, the people who, you know, are on the factory floor that build the cars don't necessarily, and they're in most cases not involved with the car once it leaves the lot, once it leaves the factory, it goes off and it gets sold and it gets driven and it gets repaired, but all that's done by somebody else. And so what makes it sort of interesting is, you know, you start thinking about, okay, well, who owns that thing? And that's an, sort of an interesting problem is there is really no owner of DevOps, right? We talk about all these sort of things about process and DevOps teams and this, that, and the other. But, but at the end of the day, there's not really an owner of it. And the thing that they're measuring always tends to be, you know, kind of broken down into where you are in those four or five buckets. So that was one thing that sort of had me thinking about this stuff. And the other thing that kind of got me thinking about uh, some of this sort of weirdness that we have when when we're trying to solve a big problem, but there's a whole bunch of pieces along the way to solving the problem, was a discussion that was about Excel. And off the top of your head, like none of that sounds like it it applies at all because you go, well, Excel that's a spreadsheet thing; it runs on somebody's laptop, you know, whatever. And then you start digging into what the Excel world really means. And if you if you really dig into Excel or any sort of spreadsheet tool, but we use Excel because it's you know widely used. Depending on who you ask, um, in some days it is a spreadsheet, and it's nothing more than doing the most simple things. It's sort of tracking things in rows and tables, and or rows and columns, and um, you know maybe it's used to just sort things and and search for things. And then you start putting some some numbers in there, and you can start uh, applying math to it, you know, and, and keeping track of things and calculating things and so forth. Maybe you're going to create some charts and graphs and so on and so forth. And then you start really digging into it, it becomes sort of a very interesting analytics tool, a modeling tool, right? And in some cases, people use it sort of as a you know poor man's database. Other times, people use it as, 
you know, pretty intelligent sort of front end analytics type of tool that is able to pull in a whole bunch of data and you bunch you do a bunch of, of interesting things to it. And the reason that piece was interesting to me is, you know, if you've lived around the software world for a while or you built software or you've built products, you realize that the hardest part about being a product manager is that you're going to get hundreds of requests for things and people are going to ask for all sorts of things. And the greatest challenge you have is is A, prioritizing which ones to do, right? That's problem number one. You only have so many engineers. You only have so much time before somebody wants something. And the second piece becomes, you know, you'll start off having some set of customers that sort of fit into where you think the product is is useful. And then they start using it in different ways. And they start turning it to the left and they turn it to the right and they turn it around and they flip it over and they use it with the lights on and with the lights off and they want it red and they want it blue and all these sort of variations. <clears throat> and you start realizing that, Every time they ask you for something, it's relevant to them. But in the big picture of things, most software only gets used about 30% of the time. And that's sort of a, an industry average. But the problem is, for any given company or any given use case, you know, unless your thing is very, very finite in what it does, uh, you, know, you don't necessarily know which of the 30% of your features they're going to use. And you know, I think a lot of that applies to sort of DevOps as well, is that you know, if you if you map out all the things that call themselves DevOps, and you map out all the things that are probably relevant in a uh, you know sort of software supply chain or you know anything from like build to run, uh, and then the feedback loops in there, you're going to have a dozen, two dozen things in there, and depending on what your company is and how you're organized you may or may not use all the capabilities. You may or may not even use all the pieces and parts, all the tools. You may not necessarily uh, you know, have to, to do things as complicated as somebody else does, right? Your 30% is going to be different than somebody else's 30%. And, and so it, you know, it sort of got me thinking, you know, we, we think about Excel and the 30% of how you might use Excel. DevOps obviously is a whole lot of things, but most people only use it for a finite amount of, of what they do. And then, you know, I sort of had this conversation, like I mentioned, with somebody who we were kind of talking about what what modern technology looks like in in certain markets and the problems that it kind of solves. And and then we got to thinking about, you know, well, you know, who who's responsible for security, for example? Like, let's say that was the, the center of the conversation. And there's no longer just a security team, right? We talk about security having to be embedded back into application developers. So they do security having to be part of you know, what you do with, you know, cloud native, oh, it's, you know, it's, you know, applications are encrypted, maybe it's done with a service mesh, or maybe you're, uh, you know, looking at how do you secure the runtime? Okay, well, is that part of the operating system or not? You know, how do you secure, uh, you know, going across the internet to get to another cloud? Okay, well, that's the the networking team. And you start realizing that, you know, again, you take this, this one kind of construct, and nowadays, it ends up getting split across a lot of different groups. And so the challenge you end up having is, as you're building a product and you're thinking about who's going to use it, um, you think about it first and foremost in, tend of, in, ten, in, in terms of like how will it solve a problem? Does it have all the capabilities to solve the problem? And then you start to realize that by talking to any one of those individual groups, they may only care about 30% of the problem, right? Um, another group might care about a different 30%. And so you, you run into this interesting challenge of in order to solve the whole problem, you want to build all these capabilities into it. But yet any one group, um, you know, even for something like security or take any topic you want, only really cares about some piece of it. And so if you're you know, trying to, 
to position it with them or you're trying to talk to them about it or let's say this is a colleague of yours going hey how do we solve this problem um you know becomes really interesting to sort of figure out you know who cares about this more than 30 percent right and is the 30 percent that you care about relevant to uh you know solving the problem and so you know there is an interesting sort of challenge i know last week i think we talked about sort of you know some of the chaos that gets created when you have these overlapping groups and you're trying to solve these problems of going faster and faster but if you sort of break it down you start realizing well part of the reason we have these chaos is that you don't necessarily have one owner anymore and and maybe there is maybe you're organized such that there's one owner who will wrap everything up into one metric but most times we don't and I think sort of first and foremost recognizing that you know everybody sort of has this 30% problem of I only care about 30% of the overall thing, uh, the capabilities that I'm going to use, the tools that we have available to us. I'm probably only going to use 30% because that's all that's relevant to me. And then you think about, okay, how do I put those 30% together? How do I put the 30% here and 30% there and 30% with another group together? <clears throat> and you start to realize like, oh, it makes a lot of sense as to why we we have the struggles because again, who owns the problem isn't necessarily aligned to the the tools of the problem or even the complete process of the problem. And then any given tool, nobody really wants to use it more than, say, 30% of, of what it's capable of. And so you get into a lot of situations in which you probably could do a lot more with one tool, but you end up solving it with three tools because each person brings their 30% to the table. So Anyways, I, 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 it doesn't really give you an answer to a lot of the challenges that, that come out of what does DevOps mean? How do I measure DevOps? What's a good measurement of DevOps? Uh, you know, can a company be dev, you know, not all in on DevOps and still be successful? Right? Can you end up in the, in the state of DevOps report as a, as a good company if, you, if you're not all in on DevOps, but you solve your business problems? Yeah, I think so. You know, can a group do that? Yeah, I think so. Um, can an individual do that? Yeah, a little, maybe a little less, but but to a certain extent. But I think it becomes a matter of sort of understanding that uh, you know most likely you're not going to be organized to solve the complete problem within the sphere of influence that you have, and to start figuring out, okay, I'm going to go into this assuming we only solve a third of it. How do we go solve the other two thirds of it, if you will? And that's sort of the Maybe 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 I'll start calling that the rule of three, uh, kind of aligning, sort of you know, the amount of capabilities that anybody uses versus how much they they probably can own or have any uh, you know direct impact on. So, anyways, I thought that was sort of an interesting sort of connecting of the dots this week. It, it got me thinking about you know how we're how we're challenged with um, you know again ultimately trying to go faster with how we build software, be able to deliver more features, be able to do it in a safe and secure way. Um, and be able to do it in a way that, um, you know, is much different than we did in the past. And, and maybe the tools are there for us, but maybe the way we're organized isn't necessarily there for us. And, and understanding that, that disconnect or that mismatch, uh, I think is, is fairly important. So anyways, with that, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm trying to keep this under 15 or so 16 minutes as somebody mentioned to me, you know, don't go too long on those, uh, on those Sunday shows. Um, I will try and align to that. Hope everybody's doing well. I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, thanks for listening, as always. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for helping us grow the community. Uh, we had another very, very good month. Um, again, we beat last year's month, or last year. Uh, but again, the last four months have been uh, the largest four months we've had. Uh, I've seen a lot of really new faces popping up on on Twitter and, and other places. I've gotten a lot of interesting pieces of feedback from people, um, career advice and questions about things. And we're always happy to help with that. So hope everybody's doing well. I'm going to wrap it up, and we'll talk to you next week.
Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media.